information matters, even if it feels unimportant, even if it feels like everyone already knows, even if it feels like no one will understand or care, information always matters. Mm-hmm. I think if this podcast or had a slogan, I think it, we, we could coin it as information always matters, because I mm-hmm. think as a writer, you get... And I think this would be my first question to you is, Sadie, do you feel like as a writer, a lot of the times your stuff is saturated or, or feels, feels like it's not going anywhere? I mean, I would say right now everyone is suffering from oversaturation. I think, like, it's the age of information and it's no longer about who has the information, it's who has the right information. And so it makes writing so much more complicated and so much more overwhelming because there's this undying responsibility to, like, be representing accurately what the truth is, you know? And when you're... Yeah, absolutely. And the problem with connecting people is, like, you know, different truths connect different people. And so it's it's a matter of um, trying to find the right truth to connect the most amount of people, if that makes sense. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that that initial idea of responsibility, right, is um, as writers, we we were kind of trained to think about that term quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but how do we communicate that effectively? Like, where where do we communicate the lines between? Um, and I think what kind of hits on that a little bit is is this action of us sitting down to talk about this is basically a random album. Mm-hmm. Um, but also having the responsibility to understand that like everything is timely. Yeah. Um, so, Sadie, would you like to introduce the album? I would love to. Today, on Friday at 5, we will be discussing Radiohead's King of Limbs album. I don't have it with me, but just picture the album cover like right here. Like, yeah. Photoshop it in somehow. <laughs> um, we had a green screen and more production value. We just had a drop down. It'll happen. Just give us a couple weeks. Right. (laughs) But um, I find it the perfect segue uh, to be talking about information to lead into this album, because as you put it earlier when we were talking about it, it's a transition album, which I didn't know about. And I feel like um, it's a transitional time for everybody. And so it's out of all of the Radiohead albums, I feel like this is the most perfect one to be talking about given the context of the world right now. And I would love to hear your thoughts on that, too. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, I think you really, you really hit it. Um, I wrote up something really quick and succinct. Um, King of Limbs was released on February 18th in 2011, so a little more than nine years ago. Um, it is between in rainbows, like you were saying, and it's between in rainbows and a moon-shaped pool. So like you were saying, it's a transitionary album. Specifically in rainbows is a lengthy exploration of natural instrumentation and how space demands focus. And then moon-shaped pool is really more of a formed fit album, dense with lyrical and musical layering and attention. Of King and Limbs, Tom York publicly expressed that the album is an expression of wildness and mutation. Um, it received an 80 on Metacritic, which is exactly good. Uh, Metacritic has been known throughout real, basically modernity for rating a lot of different um, works of art, whether visual, audio. Um, 
Interestingly, it was the second most discussed album in 2011 between Lady Gaga's Born This Way and Beyonce's album number four. So, such an odd pairing. <laughs> right? And yeah. I know, I read that and I was like, I don't think there's any way for me to talk about how there's a connection between Radiohead or either of those artists. Like, maybe Lady Gaga somewhere was like, yeah, it's all more my boy. Like, maybe. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, this metric specifically looks at how many people from different places, i.e. blogs, critics, and other artists, were generating a conversation about the album. Which I think is interesting to point out, because of how the album's journey closely follows the journey of the album itself. Going to the top of the charts and ending with a sense of separation and deliberation from tragedy, frustration, and the tedious labor of love that is orchestrating a chamber alternative that is orchestrating chamber alternative music. If you were to reduce Radiohead to a genre, maybe chamber alternative music. Um, to me, King of Limbs is what the best were for Davies C. A subaltern portion of music devoted to an idea or concept and therefore not as popular as the surrounding work. Yeah, so that's what I have. It led to a remix album called TKOL RMX 1 mm. through 7, um, which actually has some pretty interesting artists on it. Yeah. There was a remix done by Caribou, Fortet, and Jamie XX of the XX. Um, what, did you, what did you think of that album and of remix albums in general? I love that Nigel Godrick produced it. I think that kept it very healthy and very Radiohead, even though it's uh, a bunch of remixes. And I feel like the foundation of um, King of Limbs is, oh man, I read something on Genius and it it, it was uh, thickets of digitally tweaked percussion. And couldn't think of a better word than thickets, but... um, and I think that builds a really solid foundation for, like, any kind of electronic remix at all. Like, lots of layering is available there. And so I thought it was a terrific remix album, considering how that's not always the case with remixes. Right. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. Um, I think it's essential that their same producer worked on that. And if I'm not mistaken, Godric has been with them for the vast majority of their work mm-hmm. Ex- um, except for like uh the bends and honey pablo pablo honey but you know <laughs> we don't talk about pablo honey <laughs> right yeah it's like people are always like you like animal collective and they're like thinking of like the really old like runner spirits and i'm like you know we don't talk about that. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's just whenever he says, like, thickets of percussion, which I think is so essential, it makes me, if you were to compare this album to any other artist, which you really couldn't, it, it would be Animal Collective, mm-hmm. um, their album Field, um, which is an album that we might do, honestly, because it, it is interesting, but there's a specific album called Lock Raven, um, where the music is layered by, like, literally all of the orchestration is one bell, like they take a D minor church bell and layer and repeat it for the whole song. Um, and I just saw a lot of similarities between that because, and I was, I thought I'd bring it up because it's a totally accessible thing that everybody's going to know and be able to relate to. Yeah. Um, and Animal Collective is, um, I, you know what, it's really interesting because I have had a, a 
a different relationship with them over the years. Like, I would say it's taken me a while to kind of sink in to their style. And I think it is such a cool, unique electronic blend. Like, Animal Collective couldn't be a more perfect name for them, too. It's very uh, wild and feral. But, um, and I do hear a lot of that on this album, for sure. I think it's, I mean, and Tom York on his um, solo stuff, I hear a lot of that, too. So I'm wondering if Tom was behind a lot of the writing with this particular album. But I, I don't actually know about that. Yeah, I actually don't either. Um, interestingly, I, I wonder if you came into this, when researching this album, it's a little bit more of the um, held under lock and key type albums. There's, mm. there's not too, too much out there. You know, when people think Radiohead, they think Kid A or the obvious other one that I can't think of right now. Um, <laughs> Creepy. <laughs> It's one of my favorite albums of all time, to for sure. Like, hands down. Yeah, for me, it's it, it is what I, I mean. I'll just keep going on and on and on comparing it. But like, if somebody was to ask me the question, so like, what do you even listen to, right? Which you get all the time, like maybe in first dates or like you get in a car with the first for the first time with somebody and they hand you the aux cord, and if you're like me, you immediately have a panic attack because you've never known what you listen to, and suddenly you can't remember anything. Right, mm-hmm. but if somebody was to ask me that question, then I would put like, you know, Radiohead is very much so in the camp of like Modest Mouse and Animal Collective, in that they make out al- like their albums to me, which are my most most loved, are the transition sort of like almost B side albums, right? Like Modest Mouse is everywhere in Stasis Parlor Tricks, you know, it was a B side to Moon in Antarctica, but a fantastic album like some very underrated songs um there's something to be said also in this time to draw a thread back into the rhizome that is reality about how we need to spend a little bit more time to just sit and redigest the the like secret tones of music again um as we listen to this album i would encourage you listener to to sort of start to pull at those twigs that are the thickets and start to start to understand how they were woven by Godric, by the the really really when they had to play this album live for example they brought on a second drummer Mm -hmm. um which is pretty profound to think about it if you you just imagine seeing that i remember when i saw it the only time i've ever seen that was i saw car seat headdress at urban lounge and they had two they had a small like jazz kit and then this like enormous like rush sort of size drum kit um i'm sad to this day that i didn't see that show i think about that a lot you were there with nate and i in spirit it was was incredible um yeah without further ado let's fire it up yeah let's let's get started okay here we go So the first track is Bloom. Are you able to hear it okay? I am actually, yeah. Perfect. Yeah, it's like a constant battle of tech 
actually one of my favorites from the album and it's the one I probably am pronouncing this wrong but it's Blawan B-L-A-W-A-N and it's just such a hard hitter and I feel like um, something that actually I felt about King of Limbs in general is well with Radiohead's other albums it feels like you're kind of enmeshed within this um, audio experience and you know you're feeling and experiencing with them on an emotional level, and with this, I feel like it's very much like you said, where um, turn on it, but where it is very feral and very um, like being in the wild in an electronic, like modern day world, where you're kind of experiencing things like inside a bubble, and it's all happening around you. It feels a little bit removed. Would you say that you agree with that? I moved here, I was 19, 
um, I of course knew everything and learned, never learned a thing because I was perfect. Um, because that's how you are as a 19 year old boy and maybe as a 19 year old person, you know, it's not for me to say, but I definitely felt that way. I, I was living in the cubby um, with the girl I moved here for and that winter was just absolutely tumultuous. It was relentless. Like, it was just, it was the winter, it was one of the worst winters in Utah in general. I remember we had, like, feet of snow every day, it seems like. Um, and I moved from New Mexico, which, you know, most of New Mexico is What a shock. Barren. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think if, if there could ever be a sentence for my experience, 2011 it was that I was in a world of disappointment I wasn't getting a job I, I didn't feel fulfilled I wasn't in school um, I wasn't even writing anymore um, you know I think that was the first year of like three years where I, I didn't write um, and I think I didn't actually this album until years later I was sort of adamantly against Radiohead until like 2015 <laughs> I find it I have like thoughts about that and so I feel like every music snob <laughs> goes through a period but no I shouldn't say snob every music lover every music lover like goes through a period where I feel like they violently reject Radiohead because of how good they are. <laughs> Because it's like, they're overrated, like, they're not that good, but it's like, yeah, they are that good, you gotta get over your shit, like, you don't... Yeah, exactly, like, they're really good for a fucking reason, yeah. you know, and nothing else, They're, right? like, they're like, iconic. Yeah, yeah, and I think even, the, even the 19-year-old me, I think a 19-year-old me would have heard King of Limbs before Creep, and I would have loved Breaking Head, mm. right? Because as we'll get to, there's a song on this album and you know me really well, that, like, there could not be a more, like, Michael song than this song. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I'm a little bit upset at, at my, my 2011 self, where I was, <laughs> you know, stuck up and, you know, so obsessed with Monty's house at that time. I've already mentioned this is the second time I've mentioned them. Oh, I mean, like, quintessential 19-year-old band, I think, because my, yeah. yeah. I think it's a like yeah. uh, the college years are the modest mouse years. Yeah, I yeah I mean Lonesome Crowded West, he's like got shoe shine, just kill me like that. To me that was perfection. Like you couldn't get better music than than a uh, trucker's Atlas or um, yeah. Have you seen Radiohead? So. I no, I have not. I've seen Tom York, and um, I mean, that's a wonderful step towards seeing Radiohead. But I, I fear I may never see them now, given the circumstances of the world. But um, man, he is such a character, and shamelessly so. Like I love his movement to his own. Like he's just an embodiment of his own creativity, and I love that about him. He's so himself and um and he's so funny too he's uh very quirky and witty but what about you have, have you seen radiohead or tom york before i haven't no um radiohead and i, and I think most of our listeners or at least the ones who are millennials will sort of get this which is that like radiohead is kind of 
one of those bands that God, I'm, I'm gonna get so much hate for saying this, but like Radiohead was kind of our Led Zeppelin in a way, in that like they were like so big and like so filled up and like so elevated by the general public that anytime you wanted a ticket to them, you were probably gonna be out at least a couple hundred dollars for the ticket alone. Oh, yeah. And that's not even including that they wouldn't come to Salt Lake, so you'd have to go to like Bonnaroo or New York or you know or something like that. Yeah. Um, and I think I think yeah. you're right. I mean, I don't. I, I hear what you're saying. Like, I would say the caliber of their fame and um, notoriety is the equivalent of Led Zeppelin. Maybe not the style, because I think. Like, yeah. But yes, I agree with you completely on that. Yeah, I even had some tension about comparing them to as big as Led Zeppelin. I'll be honest. Like, I feel like, you know, in the alternative sense, they are, for sure. Right, right. And to speak, I think, to speak a little bit, like, about that is this idea that, like, Led Zeppelin, depending on what you believe, right, like, again, that responsibility to facts, and, like, this is, this is the facts that I believe and I know, is Led Zeppelin sort of pioneered metal. Mm-hmm. Right, and they they also helped to pioneer what is known, or what what I could call like a gorilla recording style, which is not just like we're here in a fucking box. This dude's got a microphone, and we're gonna do it the same way it's been done for fifty years. You know, famously um, on when the levee breaks, John Bonham's drum set was down a hallway, and they had a a oscillating mic about 12 feet away when I recorded the drum tracking for that album. And that's so iconic, right? Like, that, that is something that nobody thought to do, right? And then Queen was right after that, of course, you know, with everything they did with, like, you know, breaking glass and, and stuff like that. Um, but it, it's so interesting. To me, it's interesting how music gets put together, yeah. right? Um, I saw this really, you know, there, there was a meme yesterday that was just like this guy like going ape shit because somebody was playing a violin and under it, it was like when humans see or hear sound vibrate at a certain frequency, right? And it's like, it's really interesting. It's, it's like kind of funny, but then you think about it and you're like, wow, that like is so simple. Like it's just like a vibration of a specific type of wave and it causes, like for me, like, are we on little by little still, or? We're on little by little. Okay, yeah. See, like, little by little is, like, one of those songs that's kind of, like, an assemblage to me. It's right? like, it again. It's a what? It's, it's, like, an assemblage to me. It has mm. a whole codex meaning beyond just the song itself. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, that's so powerful. I feel like, um, I mean, we were in such good conversation that... We completely. <laughs> I I had a bunch of notes on Mr. Magpie, and I think that might be one of my favorite songs on the album. Um, oh yes, please share. Yeah. So when researching what each song was about on um, the album, uh, I mean, magpies are like notorious for being kind of tricksters, right? And this is supposed to be. Um, in regards to the information age and how um, the oversimplification of giving information is manipulative and affects our ability to like 
remember and think clearly for ourselves. And like, man, when I read that, I'm like, that is just the perfect thing for right now. It's the oversimplification of everything. And it kind of made me feel like the album as a whole, because I know a lot of people really want to associate this album, like certain songs at least, with like romance, but I don't think it is at all. I feel like it's about our society as a whole and how, um, you know, we're kind of learning to cope with this new transition of a way of being and how we want to romanticize certain parts of that, but also we can't because it is wild and chaotic and uh, uncontrollable, you know? Yeah. There's just so much to unpack there. Like, that realistically, it's just, like, this entire thing and I feel like it's a writer that's like the very specific thing that I deal with which is the oversimplification of I use this word all the time um, something called a rhizome rhizome has neither in the beginning or an end it simply exists because it has and it will because it is right and the information age seeks to parse all of that out and assign very specific codexes each event of those. And by doing so, and this is Foucault, I'm, I'm borrowing Foucault, who is a, a, a French theorist on language, but by doing so, you're making that memory and that association of the memory trite. It's losing a piece of its meaning simply by no longer just being and then becoming, right? And that's so powerful. It is. And it's even the word codex, like, and, and Radiohead is so deliberate. They're, um, I love how researched they are. Like, I mean, King of Limbs is in reference to a tree, like a famous tree in the, I wrote this down, what is it? Savarnaki Forest? And, you know, codex literally means a block of wood in, is it Latin? Yes. And so, oh, I didn't know that. yeah, it's, um, so interwoven like a tree like a beautiful tree king of limbs <laughs> right and that's actually where rhizomes come from rhizomes are made of wood most mm, traditionally okay which is really interesting mm. um i think we just got to sterile and that's your favorite song it is so tell is me my song. talk to me about that why is it your favorite yeah so um when we're not when I'm not talking over it, I, I would encourage the listener to go back and listen very specifically to Feral. It's, to me, it, I have this thing written about it. Um, it is the exact body feel of the expression of wildness I envision. That sort of being in calm and this primal, ancient drumming of the earth, being both nestled and caressed by noise and almost you know, like interpersonal violence, but also being nestled by a sense of self and coming to an understanding of that responsibility with how your that interpersonal violence is kind of a violation of that earth. And you hear that and how the drums sort of break apart the whole song. It's one really syncopated drum beat, but also in that it breaks up, you know, the this sort of cassetting string instruments. Um, I often listen to this song while running or when I am all alone in complete darkness. 
um, where it's like demanding you to be soft with it. And um, yeah, that's a really good way to put it. And you know, I often find that like, uh, it kind of reminds me of how, I mean, have you ever noticed that like, sometimes really loud, angry music that's chaotic is like cathartic as fuck. <laughs> like, <laughs> even though I'm like, I'm not like an angry, violent person. It, it just like, it's soothing for some reason. And it like calms you down. And I feel that effect with that song too. But it's, um, and I get that way with like, if I have a deadline or something at work, uh, that kind of flow, electronic, consistent flow is very helpful for me. Yeah, to me, I do want to move on to Lotus Power because yes. I think it's a single, right? Yeah. Um, but one last note on Barrel is that it, it Barrel and songs like Barrel are the songs that sort of like fill your focus for you so yes. that you can just focus on something else, right? Mm. That like driven, just going 120 BPM, right? Like a, like a fan. I think it's so vital. Like a fan when yeah. you're trying to go to sleep. Yeah. 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 So what do you have on Lotus Flower? What do I have? So I didn't know this, but the Lotus Flower is a dedication to his children. Um, about how he'll always be there for him, but he'll allow them to live their lives and um, he won't require them to live out his legacy. He's going to allow them to do what they need to do. And I think that's so beautiful as an adult, as a parent. Um, a lot of people see children as like an extension of themselves rather than their own person. And I think I, I love and respect that about them. What's your take on Lotus Flower? To me, it's actually my least favorite song on the album. Mm. Interestingly. Um, I have a hard time with singles in general. They, they bear like a specific type of weight. Right, they're they're a little bit of more of like a saturation point, you know. Yeah. Um, it's a beautiful song. Mm. It's really well orchestrated. Um, I think what's good about it is it's not a single that doesn't feel like it fits. Right. The perfect example I have for that, and it will always be my example, is fucking um, Alte's third album, Displacer. Yes. No. No, 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 I, I mean their second album, actually. This is all yours. Mm. Left Hand Free. Mm. It's a bad song. I'm sorry. Like, I love Hulchick. Like, In Austin Wave is, like, one of my favorite albums ever, and I will 100% do it on this, right? And I love This Is All Yours. They feel like crazy Baroque-style fucking pants and, like, shit like that. Actually, the song with Pants Blue is before Left Hand Free. Mm. And Left Hand Free is pop trash. It just is. You know, um, yeah. I think that was intentional. Actually, it was like smells like Teen Spirit for Nirvana. That song was actually written as a mock solo. And wasn't Creep as well? I I feel like Creep was meant to be ironic, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I feel that way too. Yeah, I, I don't know. I can't say that for certain, but I absolutely agree that it was ironic. I know it, it's almost like a cruel joke that the world is playing on them. <laughs> like being aware means they're they're doomed to experience that fear. I don't know. Yeah, it's, this is a really pretentious music lover coming out at me, but I almost wonder if some of these songs are kind of like a test to some listeners sometimes. I know for a fact that on Rage Against the Machine's self-titled album. 
much of their thought, they, they like purposely put it, they like put in one or two songs, I can't remember the exact names of them, to actually like, sort of like jostle their audience and like make them really pay attention. Um, so that they would like actually listen to the whole album, right? Now granted, Rage Against the Machine published an album in a very different time than Old Shape did. Or, you know, actually I, I'm not gonna say it's Radiohead because I'm not sure what the timeline exactly is. Um, but it's interesting that Rage Against the Machine has also kind of come back into the forefront as with, have you heard about this? How there are a lot of right-wing people who are giving up listening to Rage Against the Machine because they just oh, found out Rage Against the Machine is anti-establishment. Oh, dear. <laughs> what were they doing listening to them anyway? <laughs> That's what I want to know. environmental humanitarian degree in Utah scream about how black people and all people were oppressed. I mean, there's fucking album has a fuck on fire in front of it. I just love that they were banned from Orem. <laughs> yeah, like, I love that too. It's, um, I mean, yeah. I'm mad because I don't think they'll play in Utah ever again. Uh, but, you know, how appropriate. Yeah, that was, yeah. Sadly, they were playing at um, one of my hometowns in New Mexico in Las Cruces. Uh, around, around now, I think. Oh then, yeah. You know, you know what? I was gonna. I was gonna go to that show. I remember like waiting in line. I was like number two hundred in the queue, and the only seats left were like in the nosebleeds, and it was like four hundred dollars. I'm like, I love you guys, but like, four hundred dollars. You're valid. You're like very valid, but like I would like give my still beating heart to see Back to the I know, and I have um, a friend who went and saw them in like, I think it was the late '90s, and he said that like he was standing there with a girl he was dating, and as soon as they started playing, like she just started screaming, and they all like were moshing and raging, and he's like, it's the most visceral, real, like best experience I've ever had in my life. And I'm like, Ugh. Yeah. 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 Why can I not, like, I mean, it worked out that I obviously didn't buy it because I mean, they're not playing, but like. I'm glad, yeah, I'm glad you're not out $400. I imagine most of those people got reimbursed, but still. Still, yeah. Yeah, where are we at? We're about to start Give Up the Ghost, um, which is actually my favorite on the album. Excellent. Perfect segue. I was going to ask you about that. Yes. Um, maybe, and you know, I don't know about all time, but right now, I would say it's my favorite because it's soothing and comforting, and um, I mean, it's almost a mantra because... Like, throughout the whole thing, it's don't hurt me. And then it's laced with, like, give up uh, the ghost. I don't remember the lyrics exactly. But um, it's just very nurturing and warm. And I feel like it doesn't really fit in with the album, except for the how faint it is. And it's got this innocence that is just really approachable for me. You know? Um, 
also, I feel like it's got a good message about, you know, giving up something that no longer serves you, that maybe is haunting you, and just learning to let go of, like, the comfort of those ghosts, you know? Yeah. Whatever that is for you. Yeah, that's so powerful. Um, for me, this, this song is actually so powerful that it's worked its way into my language. Um, I use the expression, give up the ghost, whenever I'm talking about something that I'm, I'm trying to get over, yeah. whatever it is at that, at, that, at that time. And I don't know that they coined the phrase, but it's the way that it, it was accessible to me or the way I accessed it. Um, and I think that's the important part about language. As a writer, my whole writing is I talk about we need to create new language, and especially right now. In 2020, if there's a deep state destabilization of the government in September or November or January, fingers crossed that there is a system that's broken and it was never designed to work, we need to recreate language. And one of those pillars is going to be access, right? Um, and so I think it's, it's interesting because Give Up the Ghost is my other favorite song on this album. Um, I think you're so right. It's just such a like, beautiful mantra, right? Like, you know, where do you think, where, where's the best place to listen to this song? <laughs> like, what are, you, what are you doing? Like, what's that ideal space? It's a great question. Um... In a place of, like, softness and exploration, so I feel like even being, you know, so much of the album, I think, is in reference to, you know, the animal nature of our modern society, and I feel like this is actually being in nature in modern society, but, like, escaping it into this quiet place, so, like, in the woods or in the desert, anything that's, like, comforting in its emptiness versus the hustle and bustle of, like, the thickets of percussion, you know? So, yeah, I'd say nature. Yeah. Maybe, like, slightly submerged in water. Mmm, yeah, water. If I could listen to this in water, I would. <laughs> if I could always be in water, I would. Yeah. February 21st. That's right. Yes. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm borderline a Aquarius. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We just got you, thank God. No. <laughs> On the best yeah. team. <laughs> yeah, this is a good point place to talk about how we know each other. Mm -hmm. um, I think I met you through just Zach and the boys, right? Yeah, uh, the Alamexo boys. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, except I don't think any of you guys are at Alamexo anymore. Nope. Mm. No. No. Um, I don't okay. think any of us are serving anymore. I was kind of the last bastion. And then everything became everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that must have been what, like 2006? Either late 2014 or 
some point in 2015. So we're going on like a five-year friendship. Nice. Great. <laughs> so today is our five-year friend anniversary. It's our friend anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> Just so on though, you're invite only. <laughs> Okay, okay. Uh, I gotta throw this in there. So, I almost picked Separator as my favorite song. But, like, not initially. I feel like the more you go into it, the more you love it. How do you feel about it? Like, the, the further the um, the guitar riffs kind of make their sel- themselves known, the, like, the better the song gets. Yeah, certainly. It's certainly which you have, you, uh, I think it's like the perfectly named song, mm. because it, it, to me, it's so separate from the album. Yeah. Um, but you kind of, like, have to separate yourself, like, in increments of time from the parts of the song. Yeah. To me, it's almost like the epilogue to the, the album, right? Like, to me, it's Honestly, I always think the album ends on Give Up the Ghost, because that's, like, so perfect. And it's, like, to me in my head, that's the perfect way to end an album, right? You start off, well, start off with an album. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, it's, it sounds like it belongs on In Rainbows to me. And yes. it's, um, and I mean, just based on reading what the lyrics are, it feels like... It's almost like you're regressing to a dream. And it, they talk about the dream in the lyrics and how um, it's like, wake me up, wake me up. Because, like, in Rainbows was kind of like what we dream of. It's like a past, easier time, a, a more attainable time, or um, a more approachable time. And how, uh, you know, we're still kind of dreaming about it, but it's not real. And they even say that, how it's like, this isn't real. This is, you gotta wake up because reality's coming. And, like, um, and as a transitionary album, and I'm, I'm ranting a little bit, I'm rambling, but, um, no, please ramble. it feels like, uh, you know, a lot of people with PTSD, when they're in the middle of trauma or they're going through something really difficult, they kind of like detach and they're experiencing everything around them. They're taking in all the stimuli, but like, they're not as with it because they can't afford to be because they have to survive and um and it feels like a moon-shaped pool without them i don't know if they realize that but that's when you're in a place of safety and all the emotion hits you after because um once you're able to process like it can i've had that happen to me before where um I don't really process trauma or emotion until much later when I'm like actually in a safe space and I can. And um, I don't know. That was kind of my impression from the album, but that's the beauty of it, you know. Maybe it means something different for other people, but that's what I took from it. Yeah, I think that's so so powerful, um, and I think it like just such an excellent way to transition into the end of the album and sort of I think at the end I would like to like just have like a little tiny bit of space to talk about the what right um that question I think is more valuable now than ever maybe for me at least in my life is like at the end I I, I want there to be 
conclusion and then action, you know, a call to action. If you're a writer out there or if you've thought a lot about art and about the way you communicate effectively, this is actually known as the communication, right? So you're supposed to hook, a, hook somebody, present a thesis, present the body, back that body, and then create a conclusion of synthesis and then call to right? And so, to me, this is a call to action into like, how do we process trauma? Because we're going through trauma. Yeah. You, me, this world, this is trauma. Yeah. You know, I don't know what the numbers are anymore because I kind of stopped looking. But if a third of the world died, if, if one, if, 0.01% of the world died from this thing. That was going to be the most traumatic thing on a human level that happened to me in my life. And we lived through 2001, which I understand was, and I'm not going to invalidate, is very tragic, but was local. And I think somebody used to say that, like, America isn't the whole fucking world either. You know? I know, and I'm not trying to invalidate any of your experiences out there with PTSD from 9 11. What I'm here to say, I'm just saying that, like, this is real. This is big, and it's not going away. And so we need to start understanding how we have these conversations. And so I'm just so grateful, you know, that you sat down with me to listen to one of our favorite albums. Um, and we can start, you know, just sort of like talk about things, right? Like, this, this wasn't a thing where you and I sat down and then rated the album. It was more you and me sat down and we. I'm reaching through the fourth wall and saying, "This is what it is. Like this is, this is for us to reach to you, the listener, and ask you. So what, right? So what's next for you, Cindy? Let's put you on the spot. I'm I'm ready. Put me out there. Put me out there, coach. Uh, Good. <laughs> um. You know. I guess the most succinct way I can put it is just um, continuing to write in a connective way. Um, I've been contemplating experimenting with different mediums and formats, whether that be through podcasts or uh, more visual art or videos, um, anything with production I, I just really enjoy. Um, and, you know, I think for so long, a lot of my writing has come from a place of introspection and reflection. And I would really like to make more of an effort to turn my gaze outward and to incorporate other voices and uh, make voices that are not normally heard amplified so that um, there's a greater awareness around the different perspectives and modes of existence because I think um, when you're in a time of crisis it's easy to you know selfishly do what you need to do to cope which can be damaging um, with, you know and uh, you can not prioritize your community you know and I think more than ever we need to prior prioritize our community yes absolutely and I think yeah, and I think you're doing great work, you know, just to put it out there, you, you've reached out to be able to be that um, sort of jumping off point for anybody who who doesn't have access to the things that they need to be able to write the things they need, you know, whether it be copy or whether it be, 
resumes, anything like that. And you know, and I think I think that's just invaluable in and of itself. Um, because if we if we as a personhood, like the entire humanity, to sort of like put a close pin on on this, if we sort of look at it as an all at once task, it'll never get done because that's too much for any one person to do. But if we start pulling at the thickets, each of us pull at the strands from the thicket together. You know, one person works on communication, one person works on organization, one person makes meaningful change. There will be actionable change. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, The weight of the world is not all on one person, but the weight of the world is on all of us. And that's bearable, I think. But what about you? Same question. Um, Quite a bit. Um, I, you know, it's it's a grapple with capacity, right? I I think two out of every, two days out of every two weeks, I'm at a capacity to do what I'd like to do. Um, But that's okay. I think first and foremost, I'm trying to be an advocate for the human just the literal human basic right of like allowing for myself to feel the way that I feel, especially as a male presenting, straight male presenting human being. I won't say that, um, you know, as like a, a person of color as well. Um, and so I'm, I'm working on a, a number of things. I've been doing a very actionable task in all of the protests. I can't say it live because it's, the point of it is to be decentralized. Um, but additionally, I'm, I'm working to give back the voices to, to be abused, to start to really, you know, re-understand how we build language. And I feel like you, you are so deeply connected to your own humanity and to your own compassion. Um, it's very apparent to me that you care about other people and I think other people see that too. And it's, I am excited to see how you continue, um, building upon that with your writing and your projects and like even just supporting people out there making a difference in the world right now. I, and I think the, the, the world needs more people like you. So, I mean, you know what? I think the world has people like you and I love that we're doing this to, yeah, to encourage everybody to tap into that because I think it's there. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much again for being being here with me. Um, likely we're going to talk about it, but I, I think we'll try to do this again next week and pick an album um, and continue that conversation. Um, thank you for everybody that listens. Um, please go check out Zulala, uh, the beautiful blog. It's, it's a part of Sadie's Instagram um, and vote and protest. Alright. Thank you, Sadie. Thanks, Michael. See you guys. Bye. Yeah, bye.